passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. People might say, well, Ronda Rousey, she's one of the world's greatest athletes. How are you going to beat her? Well, did you watch her interview that she did last week? Because I did. What I saw was someone who's vulnerable. What I saw was someone who's entering a world she knows nothing about. We have a completely different set of rules in our ring. She has not had one match. I grew up in a WWE ring. It is my ring. I own that ring. Quite frankly, it is the opposite. Ronda should be intimidated by me. No matter how good an athlete is, you step into somebody else's world, you're the underdog. She doesn't have a clue what she's in for. And quite frankly, her arrogance is a gift to me because that is something I can absolutely exploit. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, it's John Pollock and waiting. Welcome to the post office, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. Yeah. How's it going, Way? Uh, not bad. Pretty good. We How are, are you? We are drinkless tonight. I know. Thirsty. I actually am thirsty. Can I get a water? Yes, yes. Do you want a water? Uh, I have one. You have one. Definitely should have done this before. Yeah, yeah. This is great radio. Yes, water. Yeah. Sporting. Let me, let me drink this. Toriano. For all our video. Oh, nice. The Toru Yano shirt. Yano Toru is, is how he would say it. Yes, exactly. Do you think that there's a... You know, do you think his stock has risen following last night's show in North um, America? I don't think his stock has risen. I just think that he was very popular to that crowd. And I wasn't surprised either. Like, he's hmm. a character that transfers very, very well. Yeah. That I think that if you've just watched this guy, seeing him live... As we said on Sunday night, this is part of the New Japan experience, is Toriyano. Yeah. And I think that guy has a really significant value to the company. He's mm-hmm. not an, he's not a guy you build anything around. He's not, uh, wouldn't be the end of the world if this guy left. Yeah. But he's, an, he's a fun part of the show, mm-hmm. most times. Do you have any more thoughts on uh, what many people are still buzzing about? The main event of last night's show. I have a question for you. Yeah. When the video angle came out, of the of the um the golden triangle yeah. botch. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. That came out before we did our review. Yeah. 
So this, this was a case of the bad production work actually helping the match. Mm-hmm. When you watch that, does that let's let's say you are someone that does rate matches. You and I don't really do that, but does that affect your rating of something once you see an unedited portion of the match that was not seen yeah. on television? I think it should. If we're looking at like, it was major. If we're looking at like a pure performance, okay. If a rating, and we're talking, we're speaking on you know somebody like a, a Dave Meltzer's behalf, right? So, something like a rating should encompass the actual performance in its purest form, and I think that's being live. But granted, you know the TV experience can shape things drastically. This was a case where, in some cases, um, it hindered the actual performance of the match. But in a case like this botch that was didn't air on access, it actually protected it. So is it crazy to you, as somebody that has such a keen eye for the production side? Yeah. How did they miss this? Well, yeah. Like, how are you not shooting like why for that the particular cro- spot? Like the fact they missed it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, for you people- watch that, there is no semblance of that. Okay. That screw up. I'm I'm assuming that there's a, a large section of our audience who doesn't even know what we're talking about. Perhaps, maybe not a huge. Section, Do you want to describe but- it? So, so we're first of all, we're talking about the New Japan show from last night and the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks, which, I mean, the internet has blown up over. Um, and there was a spot in the match. Uh, there's this thing that they do called the cross slash, and it's the both of them doing moonsault planchas at the same time from opposite camera. Uh, it's basically Ibushi's golden triangle, but they're both doing it simultaneous. simultaneously. Yeah. And Kota Ibushi messed up last night, but it wasn't caught on the TV feed because... He overshot. The turnbuckle, yeah. well, and then recovered, flipped over, and then overshot Matt Jackson on the floor. Like it's just a mess. It was super wacky, but but it's also been uh, suspected that he might have had a concussion prior to that, or that's what caused it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So it was. We don't know. We don't know. But sorry, what you're you're asking? How the camera would have? And, and again, it's like it's probably because the director wasn't familiar with a lot of their signature moves. And that's probably it. I guess that's it. It's just yeah. uh, when you watch it, it's like, it's amazing that like without, like through no credit to the producer, it's not like they were trying to hide the screw up. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was just purely like they, they missed got something so significant now, in the match. Wouldn't it have been terrible if instead of Kenny, they focused on Kota Ibushi for, for that and you only got the screw up? Now, granted, we heard from a lot of people that were there live. Yeah. And no one was complaining about that spot or that it hindered their experience live. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't maybe a technically perfect match, but that didn't take away from the drama of the match at all. Like, the takeaway I, I see from the internet the day after is still a lot of people saying this was one of the best tag matches, maybe the best tag matches, tag, tag match they've ever seen, and one of the most emotional matches they've ever seen. And that, uh, uh, you know, screwed up moonsault doesn't change that. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't affect it for me. I I thought afterwards it wasn't it wasn't my match of the year, but it might be number two. And what do you have, Almas? I I still lean towards Almas and Gargano. I just thought that was such a flawless match. Um, but this one was had incredible drama, mm-hmm. unbelievable drama. Doesn't hinder it for so, me. So did that one too. They yeah. both did. Um, so uh, to me, seeing that it didn't really affect my viewing because mm-hmm. I I came out of that loving that match. And we're only in March. It's only March. Yes. 
So lots to come, and probably a lot of it coming up in uh, two weeks' time, mm-hmm. uh, WrestleMania weekend. By the way, I did watch uh, Being the Elite, which came out tonight. I did too, actually. Oh, you did? Yes. You want to have a quick discussion about that? I figured you might watch it, so yeah. I decided to, to try and watch it. Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's it's first of all, it's incredible how quickly they get these up. Like, you were the one that was ready to give an Oscar to Matt Jackson. Uh-huh. Which is fine. Yeah. You can give an Oscar to Matt Jackson. <laughs> I know what you're about he to better say. bring it home yes. and give it to his children who are just adorable. I completely agree. They were definitely in the standout of this video. Like, Man, I love that scene. It was uh so it was Matt. Matt's two kids are uh, about to see him off. And man, these are just like the cutest, like one boy, one girl. And they're just asking, who are you wrestling? Who are you wrestling this weekend? Um, well, actually, I'm going to wrestle, wrestle Kenny. And the little boy's just like, Uncle Kenny? <laughs> it, I don't do it justice. I'm not even going to try. You have to watch this. Like, you couldn't have scripted those kids better. You couldn't have coached kids to act better than those two did in that. So maybe we're overstating it. No, no we're not. But. These kids were tremendous. Yeah, it was just so adorable. But in addition to that, it was like, um, it, you know, you didn't get that much deep storytelling or anything like that. What you did get was uh, the scene afterwards where uh, after the match, um, you know, Cody confronts the Bucks and the Bucks are like, what are you doing here? You know, you just shoved us, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the whole thing, they make up and... Uh, Cody leaves the room and Nick says, I don't think we can trust that guy. So story continues and it's, it's gripping. Yes. Yeah. And he put out a written statement explaining his actions. He thought he was shoving Kenny when it Mm -hmm. turned out it was Nick. Mm -hmm. So I also watched, um, new Japan world did a little featurette on the bucks. Prior to last night's match. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, too? I saw that before the show. That was really good. I wish I watched that before the show. Because, like, that is that video is just such a perfect setup for that match. Yeah. What I watched, like, that was done, I think it was done around the Honor Rising shows. It was done, like, a month ago. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was, like, it wasn't even so much that they were doing anything novel. It was just, it was 11 minutes of explaining why this yeah. win is so important. It was Why inter- winning this match is so important to us. And I think sometimes a lot of that is taken for granted that, oh, it's a match. But what is at stake here? And just hearing guys emphasize how important this is, this is a match they can't lose. It adds so much more drama to a match. Yeah, it was very much like, you know, when the, yeah, it really just was an interview of two characters speaking in character about why they want to win this match. And that was it. Like, it was nothing revolutionary. And again, like, man, Matt Jackson just like fucking did excellent uh i I urge everybody to watch it even if you've already seen the match like me but i think like i'm so happy that we have forums now where we get to see wrestlers like improvise and and just like take the storyline points from their characters but like embody them and and you know act them out without having to read lines or anything like that we also got a new member of the bullet club cody's new partner Eugene Casey Layden's mustache <laughs> at the post oh, press conference. That was quite amazing. Where if you see this post, uh, th- this press conference with Cody and Brandy, it is the Cody Rhodes show for six minutes where he just carries this thing. He's tremendous. He was great. Yeah. And he brings up 
uh, Casey is, he's a friend of ours and he works at MMAfighting.com. He's a videographer, very talented videographer, editor for MMA Fighting. Uh, is he married to Esther? Yes. Are they married? Okay, yeah. The husband of Esther Lynn, who also shot photos there. It's just, it's so cool and, and, and almost a little bit weird to see like our friends who we used to cover MMA together now covering like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, Mark Romani's doing like pro wrestling yeah. interviews. It's just like I'm watching the MMA fighting crew yeah. now covering pro wrestling. What, what, when will Errol Hawani? Yeah. A long uh, form by there. Chuck Mindenhall on the <laughs> Golden Lovers saga. Yeah. Luke anyway. Thomas, probably not Luke Thomas doing anything so, with them. So Cody Rhodes calls out. Casey's mustache, mustache, which was funny given Cody's mustache of years prior. That's right. That I, I, I joked That's he was right. maybe envious of. That's right. Which I think Casey does have a much better mustache than Cody did. Sure. Cody's was the creepy one, whereas Casey's got like a fully like grown out mustache. Maybe it's a little, yeah. It's thick. Yeah. It's thick. I can yeah. grow a thing like that. I, I couldn't either. Very impressive. Um, some other news we are, we are burying a big story here and that is, uh, the latest on Shane McMahon. Mm -hmm. This, this WrestleMania card is just something else. You could write a book on the making of WrestleMania this year. Like over the past week, like just that match alone has seen. If I were to tell you a month ago, yeah, Brian's not going to be the problem. The guy that's probably not going to be cleared is Shane to wrestle. Yeah. So the WWE put up this story on Monday afternoon that Shane McMahon was on vacation in the Caribbean with his family. And they did try to honor the injury angle by stating he was recuperating from his injuries in the Caribbean. But while in the Caribbean, he developed an infection and he was taken to a hospital in Antigua. And they found that he is suffering from acute diverticulitis and has an umbilical hernia, which will require surgery. He's back in New York now. But uh, given that he's going to need surgery, um, I mean, we'll know for sure Tuesday night. But it sounds like, and first of all, this does sound legitimate. Yes. I mean, if you were to tease Shane not being part of WrestleMania, you'd just chalk it up to the injury angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have any reason to believe this is not legitimate. And it looks like he's out of WrestleMania. I can't imagine this guy being ready to go in 13 days. That is just, like, terrible timing. Um, and oh, not the obvious candidate that comes to mind of who takes his spot. Does it need somebody to take his spot? I mean, storyline-wise, like storyline they haven't officially announced Daniel Bryan as part of that match yet. This right. kind of perfectly opens the way for Daniel Bryan to come in to take Shane's place. Uh, whether or not there's a... a you know, another person involved, maybe you don't even need one. Maybe not. Maybe, because when I'm thinking of the options, like, they're not great ones. To me, it's Vince McMahon getting revenge for his son. Like, logically, that's the one that makes the most sense. There's the nostalgia of Daniel Bryan with Kane, which does not fit the story at all to me. Um, Dolph Ziggler is probably someone you don't want within 100 feet of this match. Where are your options? I think... I th- Could it be a singles match with Brian and Owens? And Zayn is kind mm. of odd man out. Yeah, that's possible too. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really unfortunate. Like, what a what a turnaround here where I, I think it's unfortunate Shane is not part of this. I think... Because that... Yeah, like, it was just... It just seemed like through the improbability of this guy's clearance that everything had come into alignment and this story they have teased was going to have a payoff. It's a serious, like... Po- I think I think Owens and Zayn are lucky that Daniel Bryan happened to have the fortune that he had because let's say Shane didn't make it and Bryan wasn't cleared either. What's the match that they would have done? 
they probably would have done the singles match that was announced as the or the battle the, the decoy or they could or they the could have been royal. in the battle royal like yeah. what a strange set of circumstances of the extremes of what Owens and Zayn could have been mm-hmm. doing at WrestleMania and it, and it's more intrigue for Tuesday night of what they do mm-hmm. um like this card is coming down to the wire of different options being finalized mm-hmm. Also on Monday, they announced a series of matches for the Greatest Royal Rumble, which is happening in Saudi Arabia at the end of April. We've got the 50-man Royal Rumble. The main event will be John Cena and Triple H. Uh, A ladder match for the IC title with The Miz, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, and Samoa Joe, who they are advertising. And then The Bar defending the Raw Tag Titles against Matt and Jeff Hardy. So it looks like imminent returns for Joe and Jeff Hardy. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they did also issue a statement stating that women and children can attend the, the event, but female performers will not be taking part in the show. Meaning that uh, for John Cena and Hunter, Stephanie McMahon is literally banned from ringside. <laughs> so, hmm. That to, that to me is definitely a cloud over this show. Yeah. And yeah. I think you can even look uh, as the biggest optimist that the WWE is going to work hard to have female performers on future shows. I don't doubt that. I'm sure they're not happy about this. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, they've gone into business where there's going to be a discriminatory practice on this show. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about it in my update that how would our reaction be if it was something where they were segregating based on race oh, or God, yeah. sexuality? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you'd be outraged, and I don't know why gender should be any different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really... You know, mm-hmm. you understand what it is, but I think that there is at least for this first show. I mean, if you want to talk about enacting change and being a real positive force, I mean, mm-hmm. they're kind of just going with the flow here for this yeah. first show, at least. It is such a bigger topic, though, than I think what the scope of wrestling can cover, because we're talking about just religion and oh it's like this is not something i hope i'm not sounding like i'm trying to simplify this like the wwe could simply snap their fingers and change this a major geopolitical issue like this Mm -hmm. however once you're willing to accept money Mm -hmm. you are now in business with this and there is a certain responsibility then you Mm -hmm. take on by entering a business agreement with us i'm curious to hear what the company stance is like on the next conference call if somebody calls them out on on this or if like in any type of uh, interview uh, the company some a representative of the company has to speak about this i wonder what their company line will be uh and i i would assume that it would be very much like what you suggested that they're not happy about it um However, maybe it's an issue beyond them, really. Like all the other businesses that are gonna, or sorry, all the, all the other businesses that are going to do business with Saudi Arabia as part of this this uh, uh, campaign, this Vision Twenty Thirty. I imagine they're all gonna be subjected to this limitation, right? So what are all like what are the what are businesses like the UFC going to say about something like this? It's not just the WWE that's. Oh yeah, I mean this is a larger. Yeah. It's a cultural issue. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it's it's something that um, I hope that people, a lot of people do talk about this going into this show. And it's not just simply ignored the fact that this is happening when the WWE has really spearheaded this, this women's movement within their company and promoting the fact that we went to the UAE and had mm-hmm. Alexa Bliss face Sasha Banks. And mm-hmm. it was such a that's a that's a seminal part now of their presentation with their females. Uh, but now it is time to chat about the Niagara Falls Comic Con. <laughs> That's right. 
That is right, John. June 1st to the 3rd of 2018. It is the Niagara Falls Comic Con. And it is at the Scotiabank Center. And uh, we wanted to let you know that since we last spoke about the Niagara Falls Comic Con, they have added, in addition to Craig the Hammer Valentine, Buddhist the Barber Beefcake, our, f- our favorite. Ed Leslie is going to be at the Niagara Falls Comic Con. Not just him, but Lita, Trish Stratus, Ric Flair. They have also recently announced Rey Mysterio and The Big Show. Wow. So maybe they'll share the same... There's like a weight allowance and they just decided like, we'll get the biggest guy and we'll get the smallest guy. But Rey and The Big Show, that is the Niagara Falls Comic Con. Who else is appearing at this thing? Let's remind people. Michael Rooker. Yondu. Yondu. From Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, We've got Jaleel White. From Family Matters fame, and I'm certain he's done many other things, and he's furious when you only bring up Family Matters. Dean Cain. What do you think Jaleel White has done outside of playing Oracle? Dude, I I couldn't possibly tell you what he has done if I, if I bring up his uh, his bio here. How old do you think Jaleel White is? I'm guessing 40. 41. Okay, yeah. Younger than I would assume he is. Do you know who Ralph Macchio is? Yeah, of course, the Karate Kid. He will be appearing as well. Oh, good for him. <laughs> I'm Chris actually, I'm Owen. Actually... <laughs> Do you know who, who Chris Owen is? <laughs> How could I not know who, who Chris <laughs> Owen is? Uh, we've also... The Shermanator from American Pie. Are you serious? Yes. The Shermanator is going to be there? The Shermanator is going to be there. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Big fan of those, the, of, of all of them, really. And you know what? Chris Owen. <laughs> God, and the photo they've got for him, like, it's right out of 1999 American Pie. And uh, seeing that Brutus the Barber Beefcake will be there, perhaps even a John Pollock and Waiting will be there as well. Ooh, will we? Perhaps, maybe. Don't you want to see Brutus? I, I haven't about? chatted with Brutus in a while, so I think I think it's high time that mm. we have a catch-up with him, because you know what? The last time I talked with him, he was pretty pissed off that he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame, and guess what? He's still not in the WWE Hall of Fame, so I'm sure he'll have plenty to talk about, not the least of which is his book he just put out, which uh, I have to confess I have not read yet, but I would definitely uh, like to read. By the way, if Ray, uh, he's supposed to be here, the following weekend is Dominion in Osaka. Interesting. Which is a card that I could definitely see Ray being on. Interesting. After Sunday. So, well, more than 200,000 square feet of comics, artists, pop culture, geek-related memorabilia, cosplay contests, 80s video game zone, Movie cars, including the Mystery Machine and the 89 Batmobile, all these things and more. Go to nfcomiccon.com for tickets. Way and I will be there, and we're going to have a beer with George Went. Cheers. Exactly. All right. Uh, and you can get all that information at nfcomiccon.com. I just said that. Oh, did you? Well, I'm emphasizing it. All right. You say things twice, and they, it registers more with people. Show your support for them. They are friends of post-wrestling, and we want to... Help him out and uh, do say hi if uh, do say hi to, to Norm and Cliff and maybe John and Way. Time to get into Raw from Monday night at the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. We started the show off with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman coming out, and for all that they are attempting to do, I've got to say they were very happy to see Brock Lesnar come out. Got a pretty pretty noticeable reaction coming out. Front row fan had a sign that read, Lesnar fears Stipe. He does. He's not going to take that fight. I wouldn't like Lesnar in that fight. That would not be a good night for one Brock Lesnar. 
they replayed the attack on Roman Reigns from last week, and then they cut back to Brock laughing. He's just finding this hysterical. Heyman announces that the temporary suspension to Roman Reigns has been lifted, but then announces Reigns is not going to be here to a mixed reaction. I think there was some disappointment here. Yeah, yeah. People oh. definitely want the choice and option to boo Roman whoa, Reigns. Whoa, 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 whoa. We will decide yeah. when we don't want him in front of us. Mm -hmm. Heyman says that Reigns was raised by Sika and cites all his family members, and they raised him to be a badass, a fighter, but didn't raise him to be a man. And he mocks Roman for saying he's there every week, and tonight he's advertised and he's not here. He said if it was the other way around and Lesnar was beaten down and Roman tore off his legs and beat Brock with his own legs, Brock would come back the following week with the bloody stumps of his limbs after his legs had been ripped off and tell Reigns to be man enough to take this title away from me. As everyone pictured Brock coming down the, the aisle without legs. Hmm. That would be very difficult for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he says that Reigns is not man enough to show up and he's not man enough to take the title from Brock at WrestleMania. When all of a sudden Roman walks through the crowd and they seem genuinely surprised he was showing up. And the way the segment was going, it was like there was no way this guy couldn't show up. Mm. So he comes out, he's limping. And Lesnar knocks him down, but Reigns sends him into the post. And I thought this was the classic Brock into the post, where he was just going to ram his head in like a bull and cut himself open. But he came up, up without any blood. And then Roman attacks Lesnar with a chair. And the velocity at which he was hitting him with these mm -hmm. chair shots was stunning. Lesnar screams in agony. Catches a Superman punch off the steps and belly-to-belly -belly suplexes Roman onto the floor. And then he kills him with these steps. Beats him repeatedly with the chair. The crowd, sensing poor Roman is in trouble, chants one more time as Lesnar... By the way, if he is in any need of cutting weight, he just needs to do an angle here with Roman. This guy was sweating like he had just run a marathon. Like, he looked uh, exhausted here. I won't say exhausted, Roman but... did? No, or Brock did? No, Brock. Brock it, was soaking. It was a pretty intense physical angle. Uh, it was. This yeah. was a pretty active one. I'm just wondering, like, the match is going to require a lot more than this. He's wrestled longer matches. Though. He's he's always been a big sweater. Um, so, he hits an F5 to Roman, onto the steps, ribs first, and then Lesnar, great visual, stands on the steps with the title, mm -hmm. looking like Godzilla. And Michael Cole yells, all hail the champion. Um, I thought this was a really intense physical angle. Mm -hmm. And I, I like this a lot more than the, the handcuffed Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero tribute of last week. Hmm. I thought this was more to the point, very violent, and kind of showcased um, the heavy physicality you would expect from these two. I enjoyed the handcuff stuff last week, but I think the the sent, the overall sentiment from a lot of people is that they went too far with Brock coming back and beating Roman. It kind of worked to their disadvantage with Roman getting uh, with Brock getting cheered for coming back. I felt like this week was a lot more, uh, you know, uh, a lot more effective in trying to promote Roman Reigns as a babyface. I actually thought Roman earned some sympathy here because of how intense the beatdown was and how how much Brock did to him to lay him out. And I would I would say it 
it's almost even a way to actually give Roman Reigns some genuine respect from this audience to just have him get beaten up, you know, Tommy Dreamer style, get get him beaten up but like never quitting. Uh, I felt like by the end here, Brock did get booed a little by the end. Um, yeah, there were the ch- like the one more, t- the one more time chance you had. I mean, there. Were, I'm not saying like this was not a hundred percent pro Lesnar crowd, but it was. There was some mixing here throughout with Roman. Like, it wasn't uh, when they announced he wasn't there. Like, people were genuinely mm. disappointed, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it's funny. I, over the last week, I rewatched their match from WrestleMania a mm. few years ago. And it was like, it's a very good match. But it's it was like the same idea of just Roman being able to take all this punishment. And he did that damn, like, he's smirking as he's getting suplexed all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they zoom in on him and he's laughing uh, as he's just getting thrown around. And you've got Michael Cole with Vince in his ear talking about how the kid's got heart. The kid's got heart. And it's just like, part of you just doesn't want them to try so hard. It's like, I kind of have, like, as a fan... You would probably have more respect for this guy if he wasn't like so desperate for your approval. You know what I mean? You mean like, the smirking comes across as as too, too much manipulation? Yes. What can they do though if they if they are trying to get this guy respected? To be honest, like I would love a promo from Roman next week about just saying, you know, a lot of people focus on whether I'm loved, whether I'm hated. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest match of my life on Sunday. It's not about you people. It's about one guy, and you guys can do what you do every single night, and that's boo me out of the building. I don't hear any of this. I'm winning my title with you or without you. And that's it. He's that not sounds, trying to that pander sounds to these like a, people. That sounds like a heel promo to me. You know, it's an I don't give a fuck promo, and I think the audience yeah. would have way more relatability to this guy I agree. if it wasn't the the dude that's asking the girl out ten times and getting ten rejections. Well, it's the, the way, guy that's not even calling her up. The way, sure. The way baby faces are made today is that they turn heel first, so that they give off the vibe that they don't give a shit. And that makes them cooler. And then they turn back to babyface. And they've danced well, around that with Roman. Roman hasn't begun that cycle yet you know the same cycle that's been so effective for so many wrestlers for some reason they haven't executed level step one and that's turning heel mm-hmm. before he can turn babyface again and i think if they had gone full-fledged this guy would have been turned months back like if back they had just decided face. after the undertaker that uh, after the win where they seem to be going that way mm-hmm. and then they they've always held back on it like i think a prolonged heel run a I think would be beneficial to Roman just as a character mm-hmm. and would have the reciprocal effect down the road as a babyface, as someone that the audience now sees in that light. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I enjoyed the segment. Though. What, what's your feeling on the matchup two weeks out at Mania? Does it feel like it's the main event? Do, you know, are you It excited? does not feel like the main event on the show. Like on Raw, I would say that that mixed tag feels like yeah. the number one match. Sure. And this is number two. I find it a little tough to get excited for this match, um, primarily because I had I've already seen it. It doesn't feel like it's a fresh matchup, mm. and uh, I just feel like there are other things I'm more excited about on the show. I think there there's certainly there's certain they're playing with fire. I would say putting this on last. Um, I think they are going to have a good match. I don't know if it's going to be at the level of 2015. Um, mm. I, I I wonder about that, um, but I, I think it's 
I think the conclusion is pretty much rock solid uh, of what you're getting out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting that on last, I think it comes with its risks. Reigns is staggering to the back after the commercial break, and then we had Nia Jax against Mickey James. Mickey slaps her and runs away, and then Alexa distracts Nia, and Mickey then attacks from behind, and then Mickey goes after the left knee of Nia that she must have kicked like 85 times as though she was John Jones. Uh, there's a slam to Mickey. Nia misses with the leg drop, blocks a DDT, and then hits an avalanche. Jax takes her off of the turnbuckle with a military press into a Samoan drop and wins the match. Alexa goes to attack her, is immediately caught by Nia, and Alexa runs off, and Nia just screeches at the top of her lungs. And she goes to call her a bitch, and you can see she hesitates. But then she gets back to yelling... And then lets out, you little bitch. And they censored this. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just funny that she caught herself the first time. She first called her, you little bliss. She called her, you little bliss. And then she kept going. And you could hear her like almost bite her lip to stop from calling her a bitch. But then she did it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, right afterwards. Yeah. Um, but the, like the hysterical yelling was just... Too much? It was too much. But that's what she did though, the, the first angle. This this one was more just um, I don't know the high pitched nature I just thought was kind of a lot for me. Yeah, cer- certainly. Like I think with somebody freaking out, there's sort of a fine balance between you know freaking out and and getting the crowd to sympathize with them because this person's going through such a terrible tough thing, or the audience laughing at them because they look so stupid. That's freaking. what this felt. This felt like Vicky Guerrero. Right, that's um, what she sounded like. Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of felt that way the first week. But I had opposite reactions to that angle. (laughs) No, I mean, I think this, though, was like, I'm just judging by the crowd reaction, and the crowd is really hot for this. They're they're really taken to Naya as a sympathetic babyface in this very relatable storyline of the big girl being picked on by the mean girls. And uh, crowd's totally with her. Crowd totally wants to see her get her hands on... uh, Alexa Bliss. And I think Alexa's doing a great job of playing the mean girl. Then we went to the feature. Uh, last week, we got Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. This week, it was the rebuttal. Mm-hmm. A sit-down with Hunter and Stephanie as they have taken a break during one of their many workouts. Hunter says that this is all because of Ronda's ego. Stephanie calls Ronda the biggest signing of all time in the WWE. And, he, and she's not sure what got into Kurt Angle. And Hunter just goes, because Kurt Angle is an idiot. That's why we got here. And he said it with such a conviction. I laughed out loud at this line. He just said it so matter of fact that we're here because Kurt Angle is an idiot. He says, this isn't judo. It's not MMA. This is our world. We make the rules. We don't have training schedules. We don't have camps. We do this all year long. And then we got Joe DeFranco, their personal trainer, who explains their training sessions. They train year-round. They aren't these babies that do 10 weeks and then are get out of shape. He said they train late at night. And I've trained with a lot of MMA athletes. I've trained with a lot of Olympic athletes. But these two are at that level. 
and exceeding that level. <laughs> oh my god. You That's could awesome. you could just sense Hunter getting aroused by hearing this. Like <laughs> just unbelievable. <laughs> But these, these Olympic athletes, <laughs> but perfect. Like it, it actually, great. it's it suits oh God, it. Like it's, it's just like uh, I would have loved to have seen them do tests and like stage like like stupid numbers of like Stephanie reaching like a crazy, I don't know, uh, breathing thing, double <laughs> measurement. I, Stephanie yeah. then uh, calls Rhonda vulnerable in her interview last week, and says that. Um, her arrogance is a gift to me. And I thought this was a good line to use. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a very uh, believable, um, I would say, weakness of Rhonda's. When you see this, um, the the fact that she is a fragile person, mm-hmm. I think that's like a fair, very fair criticism of Ronda Rousey, legit. Mm-hmm. And then they showed footage of Hunter and Angle from two thousand, and Hunter just pretty much dismisses Kurt. He's like, I've been beating him his whole career. And then just goes right back to Rondo, like that is his prime focus, and says, no one's going to come into our world and take us down. And then it was Stephanie with like this great line at the end. She explains, it might have been Hunter, actually. They explain, we are business people. And after WrestleMania, we're going to pick her up. We're going to dust her off. We will repackage and reposition her. Like this was wonderful Stephanie brand speak for the good of an angle. Sure. What does and that mean, you think? Reposition her. Reposition. Um, Send her to NXT? Yeah, uh, she's going to go to 205 Live. Oh. Um, and then says, we will humble her, humble her like everyone else in the WWE. And I could have somewhat done without that line, because it's very true in the portrayal of <laughs> so many of these people on this show. Yeah. But for the purpose of building these two up... They're uh, in the main event, you know? Like, it is. I, I'm okay right. with it. Yeah. This was a tremendous feature. I, These two features were great last week and this week. I really liked it. I think it's so much fun to see Stephanie and Triple H playing their characters in this sit-down style UFC type of hype video. I think they're they're excellent in, in this type of setting. And you can tell, like, this is a format that Hunter probably really enjoys. And I imagine if he had the choice, they'd probably do a lot more of these in their professional wrestling storytelling. It just like I mean I would say NXT in general in two hundred five live when when you know it was the cruiserweight classic they're a lot more they seem a lot more modeled after the UFC than you know let's say Vince McMahon version of WWE and this storyline is 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 a UFC storyline or at least in the way that they're telling the stories yeah uh, great job here uh, building this up as mm-hmm. I said this this feels like the um, the main event certainly of Raw and you could argue the entire show I would say. It's this or the Brian Danielson return that are the key attractions. So those are the those are the the matches that are the most interesting. But I still don't think they'll end the show with a match like this. Yeah, I I still hope that they end with Styles and Nakamura. I think that I is too. the best bet to end the show, yeah. which I think they should do. Um, yeah, the match positioning will be very interesting, and I think that kind of flying under the radar is Kurt Angle. Back at WrestleMania for the first time in 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy's going to go all out here. I think so, too. Yeah. So he'll be fun to watch. When you think about it, um, like Kurt Angle has not wrestled in a stadium since, since what? WrestleMania. Tokyo Dome. Didn't he? The Tokyo Dome. You're right. Yeah. You're right. He did do the Tokyo Dome. So uh, when you think about it, like, because he was there when they 
I guess when they did Skydome and Safeco Field, but mm-hmm. then WrestleMania left for the arenas, and then he left the right. the industry, and we know TNA wasn't running Dome, so mm-hmm. you're right. In the, he did do the Tokyo Dome. Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali took on TJP and Drew Gulak with the return of the Cruiserweights to Raw, featuring Drake Maverick on commentary, and they're really pushing that Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali are the heart and soul of 205 Live, and this was said several times to really... Hit it over the head. The heart and soul. Which but one? they never s- explained which was which. Yeah, which one would be the heart? Which one would be the soul? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Maybe they're equally heart and soul. But I like that. I like that. I like the fact that these two are in the main event. And they're building this match as the heart and soul. Because I, I, I think that's a very credible statement. They've been there this entire time. They stuck it out when, you know, times weren't very good. And you can argue times still aren't very good when you watch a a match like this and the reaction that they received. Yeah, we were right back to start I know. with this match. Yeah. Um, do you see any chance of this getting onto the main show? Mm, unlikely. I think it's unlikely. Mm. I think the best they could hope for, I think the best position for these two would be opening the main show. It's very possible that that's what the, the match is. It's unfortunate because if you watch 205 Live and, and if you followed the tournament... This feels like it's a big match, especially when you look at the watch the interview segments with involving these guys. This feels like it's the biggest moment of of their lives. But then you see a match like this in the body of Raw, and they don't like Ali didn't even get an entrance. They don't get a chance to speak. This just kind of feels like another bathroom break. And, yeah, I I don't want to see these cruiserweights on Raw. I think it's so much more yeah. of a detract of a detraction. But and the problem is who who's going to know about them because people aren't watching Two Hundred Five Live. I would argue that. By showcasing this to the most amount of people, they're all coming away with a pretty negative perception. Like, I can't imagine why you would yeah. watch this and be compelled to tune into 205 Live. It's just unfortunate, because, like, when they're sandwiched within the actual main roster show, in a main roster show production... They're afterthoughts. Like, on the kickoff, I, I feel like they will be afterthoughts, yes. Alexander got the hot tag. Uh, Gulak made the save after a springboard clothesline. Ali... Dove to the floor and completely overshot Drew Gulak. And then Alexander avoids uh, TJP's detonation kick, which I guess Corey Graves still had strong style evolved on his mind because he called it the disaster kick. Uh, Cedric hit the lumbar check, but then Ali tagged himself in and hit the 054, stealing the pin away from Cedric, which was called Mind Games. As Ali got the win for his team, smiled at Cedric, and Cedric had the the worst uh, slot of any babyface D. Ah, you got that pin. What am I going to do about you? Ha, I'm just going to smile at you. He used mind games to capture the momentum heading into WrestleMania. So, listen, they've been doing a good job throughout this tournament, but this to me was everything you don't want the Cruiserweight division to be on Raw. On Raw, it feels like a small small uh, story the question is what are they going to do for two episodes of 205 live are we going to get the contract signing between these two hmm you'll definitely get more character build i mean and that's that's really it i'm curious what they do now now that the tournament's over essentially Mm -hmm. be saved for the finals i'm curious to know what they'll do after the tournament yep that's a probably bigger um hill to climb miz tv was the next segment and the crowd starts chanting welcome home to the miz And he waits, and he just says, I live in L.A. (laughs) And they just said, fuck you. He goes to Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel and asks, how is this Miztourage thing working out for you? 
and he's not happy with the jobs they've been doing. He said that they have failed him when he has needed them, and they would be nothing without him. Seth comes out, calls Ms. TV terrible television, but loves that they are all fighting with themselves, and asks the last time that Ms. actually thanked Dallas and Axel, and Ms. is dumbfounded by this concept. Rollins continues on here, and tries to start a Miztourage chant, and by saying this word over and over again, it started to sound like Mr. Rogers. Okay. Interesting. Miz says that he elevated Dallas and Axel, and even without them, he would be the Intercontinental Champion, and then under his breath, Dallas calls him a phony A-lister that can't fight, and Miz tells him to repeat what he just said. So Finn interrupts and comes out, and it led to Miz arguing with Dallas and Axel, pissing them off and telling them that he is only 34 days from becoming the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Better than Randy Savage, better than Shawn Michaels, and better than Mr. Perfect. You suggested this line. And look at that. It made it on. Mm-hmm. It was a good line yes. to have here because Curtis was calming Bo down. But after this line, Curtis was not going to hear any more of this. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I found the crowd didn't react so much to him. I was surprised that this line didn't like strike a nerve with more people. I'm guessing most people don't even realize that Curtis Axel is the son of Mr. Perfect. Like, I guess that's possible. Yeah, it's I, not I like it's, it doesn't hit you over the head. It's not like he's promoted as Curtis Hennig. Um, I think it's very possible for a lot of this. Uh, if you if you're a relatively new fan and if you're a younger fan of the WWE, you might not even Maybe. know who, you probably don't know who Mr. Perfect is. So this line wouldn't really resonate to you at all. So Miz says Miz TV is canceled, but then Dallas and Axel won't let him leave. So all four are surrounding him, including Rollins and Balor. And it's all a swerve as Axel and Dallas attack Rollins and Balor. They go for the skull crushing finale. Anderson and Gallows run down for the save and Miz is left in the ring. Balor ducks a title shot, uh, uh, shot with the title, and hits a sling blade. Miz avoids a stomp from Rollins, and they end up uh, holding the title each. And this featured Seth chasing Miz out, yelling, You think you're smarter than us? You think you're smarter than the architect? Come on, Mikey! <laughs> Jeez, boy. Um, South I definitely feel like some of the scripting, some of the lines of the babyfaces was a little cringeworthy, and maybe, or maybe it's just like Seth Rollins as a babyface in general. Like when, when he talks, it's just like these two I, are also made to look like idiots here, falling for the Miztrage's well, plan. I thought the I thought the swerve was great. I thought overall it was it was a very effective segment for for the Miz and the Miztourage. Um Just going by the reaction, I mean, I I think this match feels hotter as a result of this. I think it's going to be, you know, fine 10, 11 minutes that they're going to have at WrestleMania. I think it's going to be a fine match, and I'm probably not going to remember it at the end of the show, mm-hmm. is my thinking. Um, anyway, it ended with Balor holding the title up after he uh, he laid out Rollins. Kane cut a promo in a very nice red-lit room and said that there are some demons that should never be called by name, like demons that want to rest in peace. And he's directing this at John Cena and says, Now you must suffer for your indiscretion. You're not going to WrestleMania. You are going straight to hell. So that means a kickoff match. Yeah. We come back. Charlie is at ringside to interview Jamie Frost. 
who is about to have her first professional match against Asuka. And she's very confident in her abilities. Is she an actual wrestler? She is a, she is a manager that... Um, who was it? Was it the uh, the Squared Circle Sirens uh, account posted that she is a wrestler in training. So this might have been her first match. Interesting that they would choose her okay. for this. So, my theory. Okay. So Frost attacks her with these forearms and slaps her and just gets leveled with a kick uh-huh. and Asuka pins her in 30 seconds. Yeah. What's your theory? I'm probably reading too much into this, but first professional fight of her career Mm-hmm. Way overmatched, and gets embarrassed. Does anything what? come to mind? Oh, CM Punk in the arena. He lost to Mickey Gallin. Okay, well, I mean that's not the craziest theory in this industry. Um, that could be very petty. <laughs> this immediately crossed my mind as a joke on CM Punk. Don't you feel like the they would have maybe hinted at it a, even more, like with the name, for instance, like. Jamie Frost. Like, it could have been, like, um, CM could have been her initials. That's a really deep... Uh, like, I thought of it instantly, jab. given where they were. That's a really deep jab if... if um, there could really... have been just, like, we needed an idea for Asuka, and someone said it as a joke. Hmm. Interesting. Like, I don't think okay. this necessarily requires deep thought, but, I, hey, it, it cr- I, this I was do. the first thing I thought of, and maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But anyway. Yeah, uh, but I would say overall, Asuka is a SmackDown personality now. On Raw, like... That's a good point. (laughs) She doesn't really do anything of substance, and this was not anything of substance for Asuka. It didn't make her more interesting, and didn't make her more... more, And it didn't make the match better with Charlotte. It didn't get the crowd to react. It, it, It felt like... It didn't feel impressive. Instead, it kind of felt lazy. Is what what it came across as. Asuka didn't even break a sweat, you know. I mean, she just killed someone, I, right? But in wrestling, it doesn't really work. Like it works for like a Braun Strowman who can you you know who's required to actually do some incredible physical feat. But Asuka's not that type of you know monster. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a kick. Then the announcers discuss the ultimate deletion, and Corey Graves talks about how offended Matt Hardy was about Michael Cole disrespecting this match last week and how he described it. And they showed Matt's tweets about Michael Cole calling him an obsolete mule. And then they showed highlights of last week's match. And the idea is Michael Cole hates this match and has no idea what any of this is. And he even has to ask who Senor Benjamin is as though he didn't even pay attention last week. So whatever. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, I, I mean, I get. Uh, do you think? Do you think that he's the voice of Vince McMahon in this? Do you believe that, or or is it just like? Because I just see it as you know them antagonizing people to get people to like this thing more. Having somebody to speak against it makes you feel stronger about your you know if you happen to like it. It's strange that it. Michael Cole is the person that they feel they need to be that voice for it, and not right. like Coachman. Like I can understand sure. Graves is not going to be. Like, he has, I think, somewhat a credibility with the audience. He's the internet guy. Yes. But, like, this show especially, it's like now there's certain characters where Michael Cole flips on, like, with Elias. Yep. He's a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hates the ultimate deletion. Like, it's just, it's weird. Like, you've got to keep track of 
like Michael Cole is playing a role for this guy, but not for the others. Like he's the straight man, 90% of the show, but then there's this other 10% mm-hmm. where he shades gets of, into this shades of gray, lazy. That's what it is. <laughs> it's just inconsistent and fucking annoying. Matt Hardy cut a promo and basically said that Bray Wyatt is no more. The great war is over. So he is now setting his sights on WrestleMania to honor the humongous wonder number eight. And he's going to win the Battle Royal. Battle Royale. The Battle Royale. So Matt is in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Mm -hmm. And I think that confirms that Jeff Hardy is not coming back till after WrestleMania. I wouldn't have expected him to. I didn't either. Not for the Battle Royal. I didn't expect him on the WrestleMania card anyway. Like, I think he'll be night after or shortly after WrestleMania. On the house shows with the... They've been doing Matt versus Bray, but, like, they've also been doing, like, teasing the two of them might team up yeah like he was at the house show in toronto on friday and yeah he was at the house shows this weekend so i do imagine it's going to be some kind of repackaging and ending up as a tag partner with matt i could see happening sure um even though it looks like matt and jeff are at least teaming up after wrestlemania it looks like for the for the saudi arabia card next segment they tease coming up friendship in peril (laughs) as they recap the the Bullet Club. Um, it is Bailey and Sasha. And sorry, before that, what we, we see before? for the first time this new women's battle royal oh. trophy. Yes. And I mean, I first saw this thing and I was like, hmm, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe I'm alone in this. Maybe I just, you know, a bit weird. But then I go online and I certainly wasn't the only one. This trophy, John. <laughs> Looks like a uterus and fallopian tubes. And I I don't even mean to sound crass. This is just what people are saying. And it does look like this. And really, it's just kind of more so like, you know, maybe the shape of the trophy, but the handles and the trophy together. What's it supposed to be replicating? It's supposed to be a a cup, like a championship cup. Oh. But like the, the curvature of it, like looks... Really, it really is the first thing that comes to mind, especially when you label it Women's Battle Royal. So, you know, this is the same company that called the pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire, so I don't put anything past them. Yep. Uh, it's quite amusing, really, I suppose, <laughs> and unfortunate, but, uh, you know. They should have the Great Balls of Fire trophy for um, the Andre winner. It's like Andre's balls are presented to yeah, the winner. That's what it should be. Um, we also had uh, the graphic here for both Battle Royals, so... So the updated participants in the men's battle royal are the Revival, Baron Corbin, Mojo Rawley, Matt Hardy, and Ty Dillinger. Place your bets now. And in the women's match, the Riot Squad, Becky, Sasha, Natalia, and Naomi. And all of this was explained over that damn Kid Rock song, which is... Usually I don't get sick of the WWE theme song of the month until an hour into the kickoff. We're two weeks out, and I hate this song. I hate it. Yeah. It's on every fucking bumper. I found myself, like, hearing it in my head, uh, like, on a recent trip to the bathroom, and that's when I realized, wow, I've listened to this song a lot. And am I crazy? Are there multiple Kid Rock songs that no, they're no, using? No, it's the same one. It's just a different part of the song. Oh. I think. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. All I know is there is so much damn Kid Rock on this show. And it's a not a good song either. Oh, it's well. Sorry, man. 
Where's Drowning Pool when you need them? Have they not come out with a single in the last couple of years mm. that we could have? I think we could do a whole, like, series on poor music to- musical choices that WWE has made. Yes, because yeah. I, I want to tear away this Kid Rock song and let this body hit the floor. Mm. And that's all the songs I've got. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm drowning full. I don't know any others. Yeah. Um, Bailey and Sasha were on the set of Saved by the Bell, and Sasha said... I got your text. And Bailey walks away. She says, that's it? Bailey says she's entering the Battle Royal. And she doesn't need to talk about last week. Sasha is sick of her passive-aggressive nonsense. Bailey says, I've always been passive, and you've liked the fact that I've been passive. And says that you keep screwing me over because you know that you can't beat me. Sasha says, bitch, I'm a four-time champion. And Bailey says, yeah... And how long did you keep it? And the whole crowd, ooh. Good line, good delivery. That's a good line. Yeah. And Sasha fucks her up. Mm-hmm. Runs her into the lockers. Mr. Belding came in to break them up. This was a very violent attack for Sasha, which all I'm going to say, Way, is that you and I, if we ever have an argument like that and you run me into lockers like that, I'd be like, dude, you need to talk to somebody. Like this to me was a was an overstep of two friends that are at odds with one another. Like this was a pretty vile. I thought this was too violent of, a, of an attack for the story. They're fighters, though. They they apparently they, not. This is very one sided. Bailey had no recourse here. They're not they're they're not too likely to talk their feelings over. They brawl. I mean, I I enjoyed this, John. I know you're kind of you know poking fun at it. You thought it went too far. This is pro wrestling. The slightest look. I'm I just watched. I just have watched Kenny Omega and Cody yeah. tease something from a year ago. Okay. A year ago, where the physicality has been shoving. I know. I know. Maybe there's something to that, but I I can forgive it because this is it's a pro wrestling angle. And like, come on, we're two weeks up from WrestleMania. Got to get some physical. You think the line should have been better then? I almost think that you should have saved the attack when you're ready to do the match. Okay. Like, Maybe. I feel like the Battle Royal should just be another kind of hiccup in the relationship right. that eventually leads to something significant. Like, this could have been, mm-hmm. like, Sasha doing the big attack, which mm-hmm. is what I felt this was, mm-hmm. I think this could have been a lot bigger. For a bigger moment, and a shocking moment, too. If we're comparing best friend breakups, yeah, there's no comparison. This is not near the level of, you know, what we watched last night, but... The the show last night had a lot more TV time to tell their story, and it was crafted by the people involved. This was maybe a bit more had uh, you know had a few more people involved. I still think it's strong compared to a lot of uh, of the other storylines on Raw currently. I think they're doing a good job. More importantly, I think the character changes are really good for Sasha and Bailey. I feel like both of them in this storyline are starting to get closer to what their characters used to be in NXT. And by that, by that I mean Sasha is able to play her cocky self again. And I think she's a lot more interesting and I think a lot more compelling as a cocky boss character. Bailey seems like she's able to play that underestimated underdog who, when, when kind of, you know, faced with, uh, um, you know, conflict, is not afraid to stand up for herself. When she's challenged. So I feel like both of them are growing as a result of the storyline. 
And, you know, I think it's a good thing that they're not peeking at WrestleMania because they probably have more to tell. So the unanswered text, the beginning of the end of this friendship. Sheamus took on Braun Strowman. The bar came out. Jonathan Coachman mentioned uh, his Facebook and Periscope show that Michael Cole had no idea this guy does. Maybe he's going to put a stop to it. The bar says that they have Braun all figured out. He tries to surprise people and he scares people with his theme song. Whatever logic that was. Um, They want to know who Braun's tag partner is so that they can prepare. Braun says he will tell them if Sheamus can beat him. Match begins. Coach compares this to LeBron James not being aware who his opponents are, and Corey shuts down this analogy as being awful because LeBron has teammates. He's not going at it alone. Braun nails his chest, sends Sheamus to the floor. They went through a commercial break. Uh, The announcers point out that Braun tweaked his knee before they went to the commercial. Um, He misses a running boot running into the ropes, and then Sheamus attacks him. Braun recovers tackles Sheamus on the floor with a shoulder block and then knocks Cesaro off the apron, avoided a brogue kick, avalanche power slam, and pin Sheamus. It seemed like a tougher victory for Braun than usual, with Sheamus getting a lot more offense than, I think, in typical Braun matches. Um, He didn't look nearly as invincible as he usually does, but beyond that, no real surprises here. I don't even sense much storyline movement. It's just uh, another break before we find out who Braun's partner is. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to reveal that till the show. Hmm. Kurt Angle comes out, and he brings out Rousey. Angle says she is ready for WrestleMania. And says Hunter and Stephanie write and make the rules, and they have to be prepared for everything. So it won't be easy. Hey, wasn't it weird to see, like, Ronda with so much, like, WWE makeup? Oh, yeah. She came out. She had this eyeliner on that everyone was over Mm -hmm. trying to figure out like it was but because it was such a close-up in hd like it looked like she had a layer of makeup all over her it's so unusual especially for i I mean i think it it makes you realize how much makeup the women in the wwe use like Mm -hmm. they they are like they're they're like they probably have as much makeup on as gold dust really like it's 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 almost too much and I know they're plan- trying to play like these larger-than-life characters, but it's it, it looks in the case of Rhonda, who we've seen on camera so often yeah. in her, you know, I think she still uses makeup, but like far less than than how she appears on TV. Like here, it just looked unusual and almost like for Rhonda's character, somebody who's supposed to be an authentic Olympian athlete, I think detrimental. Kurt says it's not going to be easy. Rhonda says she didn't come here looking for easy. She wants to earn whatever she gets. And she says about Stephanie being tough. She's trust fund tough. She's limousine tough. She's personal trainer tough. I think they were they were very much trying to get some catchphrases over. And I don't personal know. Personal trainer tough. Like this to me was the WWE trying to come up with like the do nothing bitch. And try to come up with their own version of it and i don't know if like an anti do nothing bitch yes that's what it kind of felt like here and i don't know if limousine tough is really going to have that same kind of um yeah legs anyway okay she then announces she's going to rip stephanie's arm out of her socket when the riot squad came out <laughs> no page cut a promo 
Oh fuck! I dude, I legit wrote the Riot Squad came out. <laughs> Did you? I thought you were joking. Oh yeah, god! No, I totally was, wrote here the Riot Squad Absolution. Yes. Absolution came out. Yes. Paige says this is their show and this is her house. She says that people will take advantage of Rhonda, and they can be her backup. And says that, why do I need you guys? I've got Kurt here. Paige, who must have called Rhonda baby girl like five times during oh, this a promo. Lot. And let me remind you that Rhonda is six years older than Paige. <laughs> baby girl. Baby girl. Yeah. And offers Rhonda a spot in absolution, which she turns down. So Rose and DeVille go to attack. Angle stops Rose. And Rousey turns. And there's this ever so slight pause before she delivers a clothesline. Man. I thought I, I thought my screen was buffering. We watched the uh, the angle that they did in to the, the live audience last week. I don't think we, on first look, saw exactly how bad that that was. It was. I, I rewatched it the next day, and it was like it was really bad. Like they were teasing that on Twitter today that they were going to do that segment on live television tonight. Like Dana was challenging her oh, really? for because so, Cleveland's her hometown, right? And it, I was like, you're going to redo that on television, and obviously they did not follow no, through no. on that. But this was, um, like, Rhonda does not have the instincts of a natural performer. And nor, I think, do you expect it. But it was... That's crazy, though, because I would expect it. I would expect it from somebody who's an actual fighter, you know, to just react like you would in real life. How tough is that? See, you're you're unlearning all your natural instincts. And now you're in an environment where you are thinking about protecting and working with mm-hmm. and i think that that's that's probably a big hurdle for someone going through that i mean kurt angle talked about that having to re he said the amateur wrestling foundation impeded his development not enhanced it right because this is more like stunt work this is more like acting mm-hmm. so she clotheslines deville and then rose goes to kick her catches the leg and then lifts her up for a throw and she was supposed to throw her onto Sonia, who was not in position yet. So she, like, Rose got dumped onto, like, the shins of Sonia. And I guess this could have been worse. Uh, but it, it, it didn't look pretty. It, it looks like Rhonda was just killing someone. So I didn't think Rhonda looked awful here. And I think, like, the throw was not her fault. Like, Sonia was out of position. But this, like, I'm not worried about the WrestleMania match. But I, I think that everyone needs to measure expectations about Ronda. Remember, it's also Stephanie McMahon. Like yeah. Who has... Like, this is going to be the most carefully put together match in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Specifically, those two. That that has to be the finish, is the armbar. Yes. So, absolutely. Um, and, I think... and I think that Hunter and Angle need to be relied upon. Yeah. Significantly. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about the matches WrestleMania comes. Yeah. Um, uh, but what did you feel about this segment? To be honest, I didn't think she needed to be on this show after that feature last week. I think after several weeks of not appearing on TV, you need to have her show up and do something. I, I, th- I think next week would be the time you do she's that. She's being promoted as somebody who is going to be a full-time member of the roster. You can't just have her not appear multiple weeks. Plus, if you have Ronda Rousey around, I, I, I certainly think you're, you're better off you know, with your TV show having Ronda on TV than not. I I thought here, um, ah, the suplex was just not, not, it was whatever. The judo toss was great, though. And the armbar. Oh, yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah we, we skipped over that. She threw uh, yeah. Mandy over, like, this This looked great. I, and wish, then, I wish I knew my judo better so I could, like, actually identify it. 
the name of the move, but it, it was beautiful. It was picture perfect. And this is what I would have Ronda do. Like, forget the Samoan drops, even though she calls a Samoan drop like a, a judo move. Like, I just want to see her do what she did in the UFC to these WWE women. But then Ronda goes for the arm bar mm -hmm. and Kurt stops her. And I joked about it before about the Stranger Things. They are booking this like this is yeah. Jim Hopper and Eleven. That is the Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey dynamic. And he's telling sure. her not to, to hurt her. Mm -hmm. And I like that fact that you have to wait for WrestleMania to yeah. see that armbar. Yes, I And agree. it's going to be Stephanie yeah. taking it. So, like, for maybe for all of our criticisms about Ronda's acting in, in a lot of these segments, when it's time for her to like, to, like, get physical, she'll have, like, really bright spots like like what we saw tonight. Where yes. it's like, you know, she's like the Incredible Hulk. You know, like, when she snaps, like, she has this awesome intense stare that she can't turn off and kurt is great as the person i don't watch i i, I haven't seen stranger things in a long time but but as the person trying to calm her down you know like to to, to tell her hey like chill out chill out chill out uh kurt's great in that role and i think ronda's great in that role and i thought their teasing of the armbar was was really i, well I really like that you know the the ending of this was yeah. the strongest part of the tease yeah. and the throw um, that part was very good. They managed to make the armbar, her setup for it. So now the audiences can recognize the setup for the armbar. And her armbar is her, you know, holding the gun to, to her opponent's head and, you know, threatening to pull the trigger. Maybe Stephanie's working with Zack Sabre Jr. And is going to be orienteering with some napalm death in New Orleans. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, Stephanie do some submission wrestling. Studying up on... We haven't seen her in a while, you know? Well, she she'll be might. on TV next week. Yeah. Um, well, her wrestling, I mean. Oh, wrestling. Yeah. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows took on Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. He was joined in progress after the break. Um, Carl Anderson blocked the perfect plex, which, uh, to your point, Way, no one reacted to. No. So It's not something they promote. It's, you know, it's not even in his last name. Um, there was a reverse neck breaker by Carl Anderson off the top rope. I thought Carl worked very hard in what was a pretty quick match that the audience wasn't really into. This they, crowd was dead for this. This these, crowd... These aren't stars to people. This crowd reacted more to the 205 Live match than this match. Yeah. And Anderson Gallows won with the Magic Killer. Yeah. And all four, um, I will assume, have gained spots into a certain battle royale. They've earned it, yes. Yeah. Mixed match challenge promos. Um, this was kind of funny. Balor and Sasha mocked the promo that Charlotte and Bobby Roode were going to cut. Stating, what are we going to hear, Charlotte? A woo? <laughs> and let me guess, Bobby, we're going to hear how it's glorious. Yes, thank you. Thank you for saying And it was funny. And then we cut to them, <laughs> and they didn't do it. Yeah. They, they, there was not one woo or a glorious, to, which only tells me that they had to have known what the promo was. Yeah. That was preceding this. I hope so. Theirs. I hope so. So we're, we're getting right down to it. The finals are next week. They're next week. Next week. Gotcha. This this one is uh, the winners will take on Asuka and The Miz. Okay. Next week. Great. Elias is in the ring. He says he's going to give the performance of a lifetime at WrestleMania. Everyone chants walk with Elias. He talks about selling out Madison Square Garden last week. So coming to Cleveland is a big disappointment. He is truly embarrassed to be here. And he's told LeBron the same thing. Or LeBron told him the same thing when he came back from Miami. And... Just like I will leave tonight, LeBron will leave you all again at the end of this season. And he starts his song, Tons of Heat, insults the Cleveland Browns, 
and stops the song to say, seriously, how bad are the Browns? <laughs> I thought Elias was very good here. And then he took on Rhino, our third hour standard match. The first half of this match was them really pushing the Hall of Fame and that tickets are still available. Readily available. Mm. Um, Did they usually sell at the Hall of Fame? It's usually close to full. Um, I, I don't know what ticket sales are like, though, for it. But um, no more announcements. So it doesn't look like Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, it looks like he was not part of this year's class after all. Cole says that Rhino has sold out arenas all over the world, which maybe someone can independently verify. And Coachman brings up a Twitter poll he ran. And his Twitter followers believe that Elias is most likely to be Braun Strowman's partner at WrestleMania. Eliminating his uh, candidacy. It was a bit strange because they would go on to talk about Elias teaming up with Braun and I guess rumors about that. But then Graves corrected them saying Elias wasn't even singing about Braun. He was singing about Ronda. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter. I don't even care. He beat Rhino with the drift away in 224, and then he hit the drift away to Heath, and Coachman said he's still looking for a spot, a moment, at WrestleMania. And I could see this guy just getting a performance at like, WrestleMania as opposed to just throwing him into the battle. Right? I think that's, again, his greatest strength. I wouldn't want to see him wrestle. His his strength is him playing you know, his music thing, doing, doing the shtick. But let's remember that, that he has... You don't, you have to make time not only for 14 matches or however many matches is on that card. You have to make time for this segment too and the Hall of Fame segment and whatever celebrity things that you have to do throughout the show. It adds up. Um, we got a feature on John Cena calling out The Undertaker the last few weeks. Next week, they announced Seth Rollins taking on Finn Balor and a face-off. Not a face-to-face, -face, a face-off. With Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon. Right. Do you think we're going to get the Demon... At WrestleMania. They haven't teased it at all. I'll say no. I yeah. think it'd be a waste to use it on this nothing match. But the entrance is so nice, though. You know, on that stage, I think it would look spectacular. But they don't have a storyline reason for it. Well, they could do that next week with Rollins. Do something that necessitates it. They have one more week. What can he do in one week that'll facilitate the need for a demon? Wait, out? we've got to shoot Cena's angle next week. They still haven't set up a match for him. Oh. So they can do plenty in a week. Okay. Um, we'll see. Huh. Um, next week, because if, like, if this was the go home show, I'd say no way. Like, there's, like, I think that that demon should be protected for have significant they reasons. Have they kind of written themselves into a corner here by making the demon this kind of like ultra high level gimmick for for uh, Finn Balor that always requires a storyline reason to appear versus how in New Japan it was just it was just a look. I think you trivialize it if there's no reason for it. Yeah. Um, because hmm. then it's like why why isn't he always this character? Um, I think there should be a reason for Paint's it. Paint's expensive. I guess so, yeah. Uh, well, maybe um, maybe you can borrow some of Ronda's uh, makeup. Oh. John Cena comes out with a special towel from Ellen that read, Be kind to one another, which is the towel I would want right before my no disqualification match <laughs> with the devil's favorite demon. John Cena was not kind to this man, nor has he been kind during his uh, his bullying efforts with The Undertaker. Nor kind to his own body, I would say, in this match. Yeah, he's been a dick all around. Uh, chance for The Undertaker begin. And Cole notes, so much speculation after last year's WrestleMania with The Undertaker. And Coach adds that they're split in the middle. Half want him to come back and 
have to question what kind of shape he's in, which isn't isn't a lie. Yeah, that's that's me. Cena lifts up Kane but collapses due to the weight, and then Kane sends him into the steps, going to break. They return and they're fighting by the tech area. Cena lifts up a guardrail and runs it into Kane, and then sets it up on the stage down, uh, coming down onto the floor. And Cena gets suplexed onto this barricade like yeah. he's Jim Fullington. They go back into the ring, and Cena sits up like the Undertaker. And this was the start of his quote-unquote tribute spots. Oh, I was, oh, God. I you think his comedy was cringeworthy. <laughs> he took it to a whole new level. Cena makes his comeback. He runs Kane into an exposed turnbuckle, which the removal of said turnbuckle got not a nanosecond of the reaction that Toriano did. Um, runs Kane into the buckle and then lifted his thumb and did a throat slash. He looked like a like a child. A child playing his favorite wrestler or like a guy in a comedy skit. This looks so stupid. <laughs> it's like this this is so goofy. I for, I like the idea. Of the it. concept fine. Yeah. The execution poor. Yeah. Very poor. He plays a giant kid. That's the character, isn't it? Is it? I feel like it kind of is. Like subtly, he's just like a big kid, you know, who wears bright colors, loves to have a good time, loves to make kid-friendly jokes. Well, he's been a real asshole the last couple of weeks to the Undertaker. He's 53-year-old who's broken down his body and it's not enough for this guy okay. no come back fuck up another hip Cena brings a table into the ring Kane now sits up sends Cena into the table in the corner Cena kicks out Cena stops a chokeslam hits an AA through the table pinning Kane at 14 minutes any thoughts on the match um uh I'll say this it was it was I was dreading Cena and Kane in 2018 and uh, they made it no DQ because I think 14 minutes without all the plunder would have been yeah. uh, horrific. Um, Certainly. They made this a passable match. Kane versus Cena versus Kane on paper um, probably inspires a match that doesn't look, didn't look as good as what we actually saw. So sure, I I, I would say this exceeded expectations. Yeah. Cena gets the microphone and asks, "What? No lightning? No bells of terror?" No Undertaker. He says there were no rules in this match, meaning anyone could have shown up. Where are you? Undertaker! <laughs> Which I'm not exaggerating is how he yelled it. It was like, um, I know what you did last summer. God, Jennifer so Lepewitt. creepy. He says that he knows Undertaker isn't deaf, he's just a coward. He says... Night after night, in front of sold-out crowds, these fans chant your name, which apparently I'm deaf. He says, silence is not an answer. He is fine with no. I disagree. I don't think he's okay with the answer no, which is clearly what it's been so far. He'll go as a fan to WrestleMania, and he says, do something. And he only has one week left, and that will sum up The Undertaker's career. He can do something or he can do nothing. If you do nothing, you let me down, you let Kane down, and you make it crystal clear that you don't care about the fans. And he hopes that for all he considers good in this ring, he sees The Undertaker next week. And he walks out to end the show. And still, we do not have the announcement of this match. 
I feel this is going to end Raw next week with no appearance. It's just going to be Cena and the tease that we're really going to go off the air with no John Cena match announced. And hmm. I don't. The, the lights go out yeah. and you hear the, the bell rings for The Undertaker and that's how Raw ends. I think the match has to be made official at some point next week. I think it's made clear at the end, but it's just symbolically The Undertaker accepts mm-hmm. without him appearing until WrestleMania. I feel like by the end of Raw, you have to make it clear that that match is going to take place. Like, I think that's something they'll want to promote on SmackDown, on all the all the promote, the, 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 the Barker shows. Um, but sure, they're... By this point, everybody knows it's going to happen anyway. They're what if you? Anybody. What if you go back? To, they've been going into the 2004 playbook. Uh, it ends with just all the faces of his victims flashing, and then there's a pause, and then you see Cena's face. Because he can't put up a the, the number graphic. It looks silly sure. now with the one. Yeah. But you just show all the guys he's beaten at That's WrestleMania. Two. He's lost twice. Oh yeah, shit. He's lost. I can't even keep track now of all the losses mm-hmm. he has at WrestleMania. Um. Anyway. Um. I don't mind actually waiting till the end to announce this match. Everyone knows it's happening. So I don't think it's, and and it's not as though you're buying a pay-per-view or not on this Mm -hmm. match. It's Mm -hmm. like people are buying the show with or without this match. So you can, you can play right until the end. I think Taker should show up next week. I think you want the in-ring face-to-face to to really get you excited for the match. Otherwise, he's just an idea. And they're not even doing video teasers because, like at WrestleMania 20, they had him not appear at all until the show. The, the 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 attraction was was him actually showing up and seeing his new look. This year, you're not getting that. I, I think it is though because it's how is he going to show up after retiring the look? Yeah, what Taker is showing up? I think there is some intrigue in that. I feel what like does he, he look like next people week? People will be disappointed if he shows up as human Mark Calloway. Maybe not human, but. Something like the, minus the hat, minus the trench coat. Maybe he'll have a baseball cap. Maybe he'll have um, jean shorts, overalls. Uh, yeah, hooded Undertaker, a lucha, lucha mask. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I would like to see the face in ring face to face next week before the go uh, the end of the show. All right. Well, that's how Raw ended on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Your assessment of our. Penultimate Raw. Right? I found it to be a, a long show without mm, certainly no matches that I would say were worth <laughs> anything. Like, was there any good wrestling on this show? There was no great wrestling on this show. I think this was really carried by... I thought that feature was great on Hunter and Stephanie. That kind of carried the show for me. Fine, which, yeah. As I look back at three hours of my life, and I'm isolating three minutes. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I would say a lot of their storylines are in good shape. You know, I think Naya, Alexa is, is doing Like, well. we're just about at the finish line for all the programs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, was this show worth three hours of my time to get updates on all of these storylines? I wouldn't say so. No. no. No, I wouldn't say so. Um... Anyway, it wasn't to me a hard to watch Raw, but at the end of it, kind of the to me it was a, it was redeeming in, mm-hmm. in 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 too many ways outside of that video. Anyway, let's let's go to the feedback. All right, scale of one to ten tonight. Let's see if people disagree. A four point one one. Wow. So the four one one fails fails to achieve <laughs> uh, because there was very little information provided on this Raw. <laughs> 
Brandon from Oshawa writes, I can't remember a Raw that was this bad in a while. It was terrible. With the exception of the Triple H Stephanie video and Elias, there were no redeeming qualities about this show at all. At this point, I'm ready to just get to WrestleMania. I think that's the overall. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like, SmackDown is interesting because Brian Danielson has revitalized yeah. everything. And the question of that is the biggest question mark of that mm-hmm. match and what it is going to be. And now we have another mm-hmm. curveball thrown with Shane. The only intrigue I have in the one Raw and two SmackDowns before Mania is what will happen with Brian, Owens, and Zayn. I do have an NXT question for you guys. I'm wondering your thoughts on Kyle O'Reilly and where he goes from here with Bobby Fish on the shelf. He has a unique style for the WWE, and I think he could be a kick-ass babyface if he breaks off from the Undisputed Era. Uh, Well, myself, I see him uh, being paired with Adam Cole. Um, That's what they're going to do at TakeOver, and I think that that will be your unit, those two together. I think you're you're still yet to see the Undisputed Era really reach their potential within NXT. They're not leading the show yet, and I think you have to wait for that. How long has Fish gone for? It's going to be like five to six months. Mm, That's a little unfortunate, but in NXT, it's not so bad because of their their taping schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, when he returns, I I, I do feel like they still have a lot more to accomplish uh, as a unit before splitting them up. I agree. All right, we go to uh, Mark from Vaughn, who's asked, this was, or who says, this was a flat show, not necessarily bad, but it doesn't feel like we're 13 days from Mania. Roman and Brock basically ran back the same angle from last week, and they're actually waiting for the go-home to make Cena versus Taker official. I don't understand the logic, even though we all know what's happening. Question, this isn't related to Raw, but with the news that Shane McMahon is dealing with diverticulitis, who do you think will end up teaming with Brian against KO and Sammy? I like it for a big name or a surprise, rather than somebody like Dolph. Yeah, <laughs> Poor Dolph. Joe... I mean, I don't think that makes sense either. I don't feel Joe fits. I don't feel many fit. Like, honestly. Nobody f- like, <laughs> who would fit. There, There is a perverse side of me that would love, just for one night, especially WrestleMania, that Daniel Bryan teams with Vince McMahon. Um, that's the only no. storyline one, though, that makes sense. There's no other option that makes sense. Like Vince is not going to wrestle. Vince isn't going to clear himself, okay? Imagine that team, the guy who was barely cleared, the man who was forced into retirement for two years, and the senior citizen. Vince who, just did, like, a massive angle in September. He did an angle. Doesn't mean he could do a whole match. That's well, something else. I mean, he's doing two minutes of the match. I, I think it sets a bad example. And Vince knows he's not going to look like his usual self. And I don't think he'll want to. Yeah, the problem with that match is the way you have to structure it is Vince selling and Brian getting the hot tag. Yeah. And not vice versa. There's no way. I'm really actually kind of upset that Shane can't make it because I, I have a feeling they they would have laid out an amazing match to set up that Brian hot tag. Yeah. And we might not get that much. I mean, it's not ideal. Like, you're just, you're coming up with a plan B now Mm -hmm. um, after the plan A seemed inconceivable a month ago. Yeah. I mean, well, they did have a plan B if Brian wasn't going to be there. And it involved Shane, who's now, you weren't counting on him to be questionable for the show. Would it have involved somebody else, though? Would Shane have been teamed up with somebody else? And who was that other person? Um, I mean, there was no no tease. There's a fifth man lying around somewhere that might be a part of this. Well, who do you think? James Ellsworth. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we should know Tuesday. I don't think they're going to keep that one until next week. Um, and, and that was another segment. I did enjoy the opening segment, too, on Raw from Monday. Yeah. Uh, Jay from Colorado. Rough edition of Raw. 
Like, really rough. My only highlight was Nia Jax calling Alexa Bliss a little bliss, then correcting herself and calling her a little bitch. I'm not sure what the original intention was, because calling someone a little bliss seems like a nice little compliment, but they usually don't say bitch on Raw. Well, they censored her. Maybe they do, and I just blissed it. They missed a huge opportunity by not having Vanguard 1 come out and stalk Cole for a few minutes. That would have been great. That would have been Just have the drone flying in there a little bit just to remind you. Cole runs. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really sorry to hear about Shane McMahon. Diverticulitis is no joke. It nearly killed me and left me in a state where I'd been unable to work for years due to horrendous chronic pain and nausea. Thank God I live in Colorado, if you know what I mean. Thoughts and prayers to Shane on a quick and speedy recovery. Yeah, that's the other thing. Not only yeah. the surgery he needs for this hernia, it's a like diverticulitis. His father had diverticulitis in 2004. Really? Like that's this is what Brock had. Like that is not something you just get over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's like there's no way this guy's wrestling. Like and yeah. anytime soon either. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be. Um, he's not a young guy either. Um, so yeah, it, it's very unfortunate for Shane. How do we like? So, so what is it? Just eating too much meat? I don't know if that's like a, um, if that's the sole cause of it. That's what Brock believed it was. That oh. he just the guy ate meat and pretty much nothing else. And okay, I'm gonna need to get a salad after this. Everyone have a salad and some water. <laughs> yeah. Jesse from the six. After two good weeks building up Roman, they've undercut themselves with. A farcical beatdown last week, and this week, Roman just looks like a stupid failure. With the return of Daniel Bryan, criticism of Roman's position as the top babyface will only intensify. Given this, I wonder if you know of any actual data that supports the idea that Roman should be positioned as the top babyface. For example, is his merch the best or among the best selling? Are his TV segments consistently the highest rated every week? Are live show attendances significantly higher when Roman is main eventing? Do network subscriptions increase, etc., etc.? Well, I mean, um, I, w- I would definitely encourage people to look at some of the work that uh, Chris Harrington and Brandon Howard have done, really breaking down uh, specific house show draws. It's it's very difficult. Uh, you can see, like, noticeable differences on shows that are led with John Cena and Brock Lesnar, two mm. difference makers. Uh, like, Roman does, like, healthy house show business, leading the Raw brand for most of the year. Um, network subscriptions, that's a very gray area because you can't, you can't break it down to one singular performer Mm -hmm. making a difference on month to month subscriptions. Um, merchandise is merchandise does, it does good. Like this guy is not, um, he's not John Cena. Um, he's probably, and I don't have access to merchandise numbers either, but I, I wouldn't assume that this guy is Rey Mysterio level, um, John Cena level, but clearly does a healthy amount and as just strictly a performer in the ring like he's really good and i think that that's like i think that's the one argument i don't know if he's really good okay call you need to qualify what do you what you mean by really good because in today's when, when he does a main event match i can't remember the last one where it was awful okay maybe not awful i just feel like the standard is so high now and i don't i'm starting to question if he he what was the last match you really saw good. that was really he shit the bed on? You can not shit the bed and still not necessarily be considered really good. You know, I'm to not. Me, sa- I'm not saying this guy is Brian Danielson. I'm yeah, not saying he's Okada. But I'm saying but, that's the standard these days. Uh, but if, to, for me, if you're going to call somebody really, his good, match quality is of no concern to me. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's bad, but I think to call somebody really good in 2018 is a different. 
standard. I think I I think he is viewed much more harshly than than others. Sure. I think that there are other mitigating factors that people don't like about Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. and it extends to people just treating him as the, this awful performer, which, uh, to a person that works with him, they praise this guy. And, like, I, his I, big man... Like, look at Braun Strowman and what happened when he took on Brock versus the series he had with Roman. I'm comfortable enough to say that he's good enough. Yeah, okay? yeah. But really good... I think that's different. Really good doesn't mean top three in the world to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think you and I have a very s- similar sentiment. Okay. Who's who's next? Uh, Steve from BC. Not much praise for Raw tonight. Aside from some okay promos and video packages, this was a pretty forgettable episode. It seems that the no-show, the no-showing, don't-give-a-shit Brock has been totally scrapped, and now we just get the same beatdown every week. I don't even know who I'm supposed to be cheering anymore. I thought the Stephanie Triple H video was really good, and this is what Stephanie needs to be, arrogant and cocky. But I really hope they don't have her go toe-to-toe with Ronda at Mania. She needs to turn scared and helpless up to 10 as soon as Ron as soon as soon Ronda gets a hold of her. Bailey and Sasha has been one of the better-built feuds in the last few weeks, way better than Charlotte and Asuka, in my opinion, but it's a shame that they're going to be thrown into a meaningless battle royal. And where was the apology from Michael Cole for the 14 minutes of Cena and Kane I was subjected to? That flat-out sucked. Four out of ten. Listen, that match wasn't great, but I thought the hardcore element made it better than it could have been. Was it really good, though? It wasn't really good. No. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just teasing. We got an ash from India who says, I could literally hear crickets when Cedric made his entrance. The WWE audience obviously could not care less about Cedric or Mustafa. I think it would be a huge mistake if they put the Cruiserweight title match on the main card at WrestleMania. The damage it does to those guys, I don't think they'll be able to recover from that. They should close the kickoff show. I don't even think they'll close the kickoff. That'll be like the IC title match or something like that. Yeah, like US title. Yeah, yeah this it, it could very well be the opener on the kickoff show. Very possible. MJ, the video package featuring the McMahons was great. They always impressed me with that kind of stuff. Paige couldn't have been more obnoxious, baby girl. At this point, would you even have Taker appear next week, do something to accept the challenge at all, or save it for Mania? Um, I think you can get away with just a... Like a symbol, clearly stating that he's accepting it. Sure. Um, yeah. you Way thinks you should see him next next Monday. Which I mean, there's an argument for that that too. That I he... just think there's so much money in that that visual mm-hmm. of one person face to face with the other. Yeah. That really kind of drives home the idea that you're about to see this match and you really want to. See, you God, know? what if he shows up, just doesn't say a word, and just we get the point. Or he gets on one knee. Guaranteed, if he does, genuflex. If he doesn't say anything, you will get some type of look. Like, look at the sign. You know, he's looking at the sign. It means he's accepted. Mm -hmm. He's doing something. Subtlety one hundred and one. Why don't you finish? Finally, we got Eddie from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm so sorry you guys have to review the show. Maybe the Great New Japan event colored my expectations, but I didn't feel anything added intensity or interest in any of the upcoming Mania matches. The cognitive dissonance required to differentiate between Steph and Triple H on the screen heels, on the on-screen heels and their corporate behind-the-scenes friendly babyface marketing drones has reached an all-time high. Seeing Rousey run backstage and hugging Hunter in the WWE 24 dock and then watching a promo about how they're intent on embarrassing Ronda just doesn't work. Brock and Roman feel like they're running in place in every other segment, save the Bailey and Sasha brawl, felt uninspired and at times downright boring. If the Cena-Kane match is any indication of that level of effort we're in 
for from Taker and Cena. Well, I hope it goes on last so I can turn off the network before midnight this year. Two out of ten. Wow. Well, not a lot of praise uh, for Raw on Monday night. Mm. Okay. Well, that was Raw. Tuesday night, we're back with Rewind, a SmackDown. And once again, we forgot to go over this at the top of the show. But quite a lot coming up this week, Way, in the land of post-wrestling. We've got uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, a new edition of Keep It 2000 with Brian and Nate, which is the July 3rd show of 2000, which is the last Nitro before the infamous Bash at the Beach show. So we're getting into fun territory, the summer of 2000. And then on Thursday, we are going to have a new edition of Up Next with Braden and Bartender Dave as we get closer to TakeOver. And then Friday, it is our Patreon bonus show for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And what is up on Friday? Ask away. Get your questions in there at forum.postwrestling.com. This is uh, where we take all of our Patreon members' questions any question, anything you want to ask, we will try to answer every single one. And then that's not all for our members of the cafe. Sunday, we've got another bonus show where the two of us will be reviewing the Sakura Genesis show from Sumo Hall, which I imagine the full card uh, should be out really soon. I would imagine by Tuesday night we can go over the card uh, for that show. But it's headlined by Kazuchika Okada and Zack Sabre Jr. for the IWGP title. Very much looking forward to that match on Sunday. I am too, yes. So if you want to sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. You can sign up, uh, $6. All members above, you will get both shows uh, coming up this week. And for the members of the Ice Cap. Ice Cap and and Espresso. Yes. We have just received many interesting rewards that will be sent out. And you can tune in later this week to a post-production video for the reveal of the first ever post-wrestling merchandise. Ooh, fancy exciting stuff yeah all right that's it we're signing off postwrestling.com postwrestlingcafe.com and we'll speak with you tuesday night after smackdown